Hey, and welcome to post Super Bowl on and off the field. Super Bowl 54 is over. The 2019-2020 season in the NFL 100 season is over. And we are here to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs winning that Super Bowl with the one, the only, <laughs> Fred Peterson! Hi, yeah. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Well, we're going to be having you a <laughs> lot more often. Yeah. Because we are financially and time-wise putting all of our eggs in the basket. Oh, yeah. Fred Peterson as the other, the, the co-host of On and Off the Field. Oh, That's yeah. So exciting. I'm really excited for it. I'm super excited because now I don't have to talk to myself for an hour. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. lot harder to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to have to learn how to, you know, not talk as much and like, <laughs> and like get your opinion on things and not talk right. all the time. It's going to be a tough transition, but I, <laughs> I know we can get there. Oh, I'm sure we can. So welcome to On and Off the Field with Fred and Dylan. We got to come up with like a DJ name. Last night I thought of Dread. Like D for Dylan, oh. Ed, Dread. But then Caitlin was like, my wife was like, uh-huh. Dread, like people dread listening to things or dread doing something. It's like, <laughs> that, that's a good point. So we might have to think of something else or just nothing at all. I, all right. <laughs> just, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Dylan and Fred on, on and off the field, get it all out of the way right now. Facebook and Instagram. Go follow on and off the field on Facebook and Instagram so you know when episodes drop and you get to look at all the great memes I drop and NFL news is on there. It's all kinds of great stuff. So go do that. And then you can also know when the giveaway is going to happen because we're about 20 listens short still of 500 before we can start the giveaway. So make sure you go to all the podcasting platforms like Anchor and iTunes and Spotify and all that good jazz and subscribe. So then you know when new episodes drop and you can listen to it to get us to 500 so we can do the giveaway. And now you can also listen on, I believe it's, oh, Thursdays from 4 to 5 is on and off the field on the RTF Sports Network on Spreaker. Yeah, that's right. We're on like a sports network thing. It's like super awesome. Uh, So you go do that. You got to subscribe. You got to listen. We got to do the giveaway. It's all great stuff, but we have a Super Bowl to cover, Fred. Yeah. So the Chiefs so. win 31 to 20. First thoughts. You know, I really the whole the about three quarters of the game, I'm like, you know what? The 49ers are gonna pull it off. They're gonna have the defense and they're gonna do just enough on offense and they're gonna pull it off. And then as soon as we get about to that 10-minute mark in that fourth quarter, some of the Chiefs start clicking, and I'm like, oh, there we go. It's over. I'm like, the Chiefs are actually going to get it this time. And, and I mean, honestly, I'm just excited for the Chiefs to win just for Andy Reid. That's pretty much my exact same thoughts. I mean, that was I, – I, I went through a roller coaster of emotions because at first – I picked the 49ers to win because 
you know, they can jump out to a lead because the Chiefs always mm-hmm. start slow. And then if they jump out to that lead, their defense is good enough to hold them in the second half to be maybe pull out that win and withstand the second half thrashing that the Chiefs usually give out. But they right. go in the halftime at 10 to 10. And now I'm thinking like, oh, now the Chiefs are going to make halftime adjustments and they're going to get throttled in the second half, which wasn't true. They come out at halftime. The 49ers go up 2010 after Patrick Mahomes throws a second interception. And not, I was, I was with you 20 mm-hmm. to 10 Patrick Mahomes is not looking like Patrick Mahomes. And I I'm thinking, well, maybe the moment's too big for Patrick and the 49ers are going to pull this off. But well, I, I think the question has to be asked, who mm-hmm. do you blame more for the loss? Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shanahan? I think it's 100% on Jimmy G. 100%. Yeah. I. You could see the plays Kyle Shanahan was dialing up, and you would think he would be thinking, all right, this happened to me before. Like, I need to not do it this time. Like, we can't blow this lead. And I think he tried to get, get more points, and Jimmy G let him down. I can see the rationale, and that's 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 what half of the nation is probably is, is leaning on. There's, half of the people are saying it's Shanahan's fault for only running the ball ten times in the second half, and they only averaged 51 seconds per possession in the fourth quarter. When they have the lead, they only mm-hmm. averaged 51 seconds of possession. The Chiefs had the ball for nine minutes in the fourth quarter. And the other people are saying it's Jimmy G's fault because he didn't make the plays. I mean, straight up, you can just say Jimmy G, he missed Emmanuel Sanders deep for that touchdown. If he hits Emmanuel oh, Sanders, yeah. if he hits that play, it's a completely different narrative today. We are everything yep. that people talk about today. Is just 180. We're talking about how the completeness of the 49ers team won and not Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Was it 2010 or 2017 when that when Jimmy G threw overthrew uh, Samuel for that? Oh boy. Because I was trying to think if it was 2017 and they get the touchdown, put them up 10. So now you know Andy Reid's got to play a two-possession game in order to get points back. But if it's 2010 and they go up 17, now that's a three-score That's a three-score game. Now your 49ers defense can play a more aggressive because they clearly played soft in the second half because they were just trying to keep the lead. And there you can see they were playing everyone in front of them, which didn't work out to Richard Sherman's benefit. Um... But it was definitely um, – let's try to stop there. But I think if, if – I can't remember if it was 2010 or not. Um, if they were to go up 27 to 10, I feel like it would have been game over for the Chiefs. That play, from what I can see, actually happened when they were down 24-20. Oh, Okay. Unless I'm looking at the wrong play sheet. I know, you're probably right. That play happened late in the fourth quarter, and they were down 24-20. So he hits that. It's now 27-24. They take the lead back, momentum shift, 
Mm-hmm. The Chiefs still get the ball back, but man, it's just a completely different game, I think, because then they they turn it over on downs, they get the shorter field, and then Damian Williams seals the game, forty some odd yard rushing touchdown, thirty eight yard rushing touchdown to right. seal it. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, even if if the Chiefs still go down and score and take the lead again, but at least Jimmy G would have given his team another lead, another chance, given that defense another chance to win the game. He failed, and I completely understand that narrative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... So, if it... Okay, so if it's a 24-10 Chiefs lead, and 49ers miss that throw, um, if they make that throw, puts them up 27-24, Chiefs make it... Makes it 31-27. Like you said, like it's still within reason that Kyle Shanahan could dial something up if Jimmy G hits it correctly and they could have taken it. It would have been a much closer game. I think he would have not had like the, I don't know. It's almost seemed like a disappointing ending to me because it wasn't like it was down to the wire, but not down to like the absolute wire. Yeah. It's, it, you felt like after he missed Emmanuel Sanders and then he, he just takes that sack on fourth and 10. You just mm-hmm. felt like there was absolutely zero momentum with the 49ers because the chiefs just took the lead and then their offense goes out there and just absolutely lays an egg on that offensive possession. Mm-hmm. And then the chiefs two plays later, take a larger lead. I, I, it was almost unnecessary to watch that last drive by the 49ers. Right. Jimmy G goes out there. He throws one pass incomplete and then intercepted deep. And it was just a, it was a hard ending to watch. Like you said, mm-hmm. it was just, it was kind of down to the wire, but deep down inside, you knew this was the chiefs and they, the yep. comeback, the comeback was complete. Like you felt oh, it. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it just, it, it even just feels good for the chiefs though. Like that's the, what was it? The NFL record for three straight, postseason games with a comeback of 10 or more points. Absolutely. Absolutely insane. It's nuts. Like we, I always remember from like the mid 2000 bills when probably with 08 with Trent Edwards. And even when they had Kyle Orton early 2010, I think um, it was always like fourth quarter comebacks. And I was like, how long can you sustain that? But clearly the chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Kong plays, it's not an issue. Like, I think you have a new era here with Patrick Mahomes, and it really sucks for all the other teams that are in the AFC West. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? That's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's wild card or bust in that division here on out. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, I, I think it's fair, in my opinion. You can blame both Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that that is my it's a 50-50 deal because you know part 1 is Kyle Shanahan only ran the ball 10 times mm-hmm. in the second half. And if you want yep. to go back even further, what in God's green earth are you doing? You get you get the ball back with about a minute left. I understand the Chiefs punted the ball back mm-hmm. at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. Now, Kyle Shanahan did not call a timeout. 
And I understand it because if the ball gets pinned, you know, inside the five-yard line based off the field position, you know, now you'd call a timeout and the Chiefs are, if you don't get out of that scenario inside your own five-yard line at the end of the half, you might end up punting back to the Chiefs and they could they could take the lead at the, at the end of the half. But right. so I understand that. But ball goes into the end zone. It's a touchback. Now you have just under a minute to go down the field with all three timeouts mm-hmm. at the 20-yard line with a minute left to go take the lead before the half. He runs the ball twice before taking a timeout. Now you're down to like 27 seconds, I think it was, before you throw your first pass. Okay, you throw the pass, 20-yard gain, then you call a timeout. Okay, now you're going deep to Kittle, and it's Mm -hmm. a pass interference, which, you know, what? I'm not going to debate what's pass interference. It's not because nobody knows. (laughs) <laughs> I think it was pass interference. That's a pretty clear push off, in my opinion. Oh yeah, they didn't and call I, Kyle Rudolph for that. Right, and that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw it too. And I was like, okay, so you're gonna call this, but you're not gonna call. It. So we screwed the stance over again. But moving forward, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one knows what it is. The refs don't even know what it is. So the ball right. comes back. There's only like 10 seconds left, and they take a knee and go to the half. It go go into the half tide. I think that's on Kyle Shanahan. They could have, if they, they could have at least gone up 13-10. If they got lucky, 17-10 at the half, and that's a, that's just more cushion for the second half where the Chiefs normally thrive. And right. I and I think it just goes deeper than that. When he didn't trust Jimmy G to go on a game-winning drive with a minute left, he did not trust him to go down the field and score for his team. And we're gonna get into that little extra bit here. Uh, Got to take a quick momentary pause commercial <laughs> break here at the uh, at this point. So be right back with On and Off the Field with Dylan and Fred. Welcome back to On and Off the Field with Dylan and Fred. Just got done talking about how Kyle Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy G to go score points before the end of the first half, which might have led to why Jimmy G crumbled and couldn't succeed at the end of the game. You don't trust him at the end of the first half. Now he has to go score points under two minutes, game on the line in the Super Bowl. Jimmy G crumbles. Like we said before, missed Emmanuel Sanders, and then he throws the interception on a bad ball to virtually end the game. Any any thoughts on that there, Fred? Well, I mean, I think it, I think you kind of wrapped up the mice right there. I mean, I I think this is where you where you finally seen a full season under Jimmy G, and I mean maybe he's just a game manager. I mean, that's what any Patriots quarterback has been for the most part lately. Jacoby Brissett Whoa. and the Colts is just a game manager. Whoa. Uh, Jimmy G. He's done it. I mean, he's done. Not all game managers are like just keeping the game going. Like, I mean, obviously they're, they're going to have some good plays and some good games, but I mean, that's all I think of Brady. But I was going to say, did you just call Brady a game manager? Oh, he absolutely is. 
six-time Super Bowl champ, or is he yep. five? Is it is six? No, it's six. Six-time Super Bowl champ is a game manager. Yep, because he's always had defense. Man, that's hot right there. Because look at last year's Super Bowl, nine to yeah. three. Yeah. There's no that's, offense. It's true. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that <laughs> he's not a game manager, but I, I would I would take it a step further and call him probably one of the the better game managers of oh, all time. Yeah. He's I, I would still say he's a top three quarterback ever. But, uh, right. I, I think he's had just a lot. straight up label him a game manager. <laughs> But yeah, so we pretty much trashed the 49ers uh in the in the first 15ish minutes of this podcast. How about we say some positive things All about right. the Chiefs? How's that right. sound? Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl MVP trophy, which, mm-hmm. you know, as tradition goes, the quarterback of the winning team gets gets the Super Bowl trophy or yeah. the uh, the MVP mm-hmm. where I think the perfect example is back when the Seahawks lost to the Patriots uh, the the interception at the 1 yard line. Yep. Malcolm Butler easily gets that MVP trophy, right? Oh yeah. Uh, it goes to Tom Brady. <laughs> so, if if Patrick, let's take Patrick Mahomes out of the equation who had two touchdowns but two interceptions and basically only played 10 minutes of that game in the at the end. Uh who's who is your Super Bowl MVP, or maybe you think Patrick is. What do you think? Well, I, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. I mean, he, he, like you said, he literally played one good quarter. It for me, it's Damian Williams all day. I think because he had the rushing touchdown and he had the the receiving touchdown to ice the game, and they leaned more on him. Um. Towards later in the game, because he had let's see, 17 carries for 104 yards, which is actually really good for a running back. Um, so I mean, I I definitely picked Damian Williams. How about you? Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised when Patrick Mahomes got MVP. I, I knew he was gonna get it. Right. Like I was like, okay, he's gonna get it, and then I was immediately thinking, who should have got it? Mm. And I'm looking around and. I was trying to think of someone on the defense that might deserve it. And I think Brashad Breland had a really good game. But, you know, Chris Jones had an amazing game. He ended up knocking yep. down two passes at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage, rushed constant pressure. He had a great game. But if you're going to give it to anyone else, it, uh, yeah, Damian Williams for sure. Ice the game. Constant. Every, if he touched the ball, it was a big gain. I mean, it's not like he he got the ball and carried it for – you know, one, two yards every time, just a crappy, you know, throwaway play. If he touched the ball, you know, it was a good play. It was, he made as as much out of it as every opportunity he had to, to get yardage. And I think easily should have been the MVP. I'm, I'm shocked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll say one thing about the Chiefs I was thinking about the other day. Um, Who did they trade? They traded, they traded D4 to the 49ers, right? Yeah, I think who'd so. They, Frank Clark was a trade for them, wasn't he? Yep, Frank Clark is who they picked up in the off uh, in the off season. I think it was from Seattle, and they also got um, the guy from Oof Terrell Suggs from the Cardinals um, oh, yeah. later in the season when he uh, hit mm-hmm. the waiver. Right. Okay. See, I was thinking there was a former Seattle Seahawk on there from a trade. 
Yeah, Frank Clark yeah. got his uh, got his ring, and it wasn't even <laughs> with his team. Sadness ensues. Oh yeah. But Frank Clark, he every single game. I go back and watch every single Chiefs game that mattered. Like so, pretty much every postseason game, mm-hmm. you know, Week 16, anything like that. Just skip the entire game and go to the other team's offense's last play. Go back and watch any of them. Last play, maybe second to last play at least, Frank Clark is there every time. Frank Clark will be quiet the entire game, but when Mm -hmm. it matters, the last play, he makes a play every time. Go back and watch any of the games. I guarantee you he will be... He will impact the last play of the other team's offensive game. Guarantee it. All right. Yeah. It's just weird. He did the same thing with Seattle too, though. It's just uh-huh. his thing. He just he he wants he wants that smoke right there. The last play, I'm gonna be the guy to shut this it down. Right. That's his mentality. And it's a great mentality to have. Like oh yeah, athlete, absolutely. It's it's unfortunate. That's the only time he turns the motor on because for the most part he was pretty quiet during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think looking at his stats here, he had one tackle, tackle for loss, and the only sack the Chiefs had that during the game. Yeah, he's he's a great player. I miss him personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, you know, Seattle <laughs> had ooh, the worst pass rush in the league, except Miami, I believe. So obviously, I'm going to miss a guy like that when. We're, mm-hmm. When we're in the same conversation <laughs> as the Dolphins, that's right. a, that's a tough time to to swallow that. But uh, Andy Andy Reid, I cannot be happier for a human being than Andy Reid. Oh yeah, twenty one years coaching in this league, and went to a Super Bowl with the Eagles, lost in heartbreak fashion there against the Patriots, mm-hmm. and just to see, I I don't remember a time seeing Andy Reid smile so much and this just watching post game, watching him smile and just cheer with everybody was just an amazing feeling. Like I, I felt for him. It was awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just like, and it was, and I thought it was awesome that every player was always, was just thinking about him. Like they did it for him. Like, and they did it for the team and the city and, and that's all great, but like just to get Andy Reid that Super Bowl trophy, like now this cements him. Like he will be, I would, I'll, I'll say it right now, he'll be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, some people thought he was a Hall of Fame coach before the Super Bowl win, but now that he has it, oh, oh yeah, e- easy it's peasy. Cemented. Yeah, they already got his name on the ballot for five years from now. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's in. Um, I just the only thing I cannot figure out is. How like there's teams called there's divisions of companies called marketing teams mm-hmm. that pay attention to every little thing that is going on. How has McDonald's not contacted Andy Reid and been like, "Hey, dude, want to be in a commercial?" Or like, Andy Reid right. is constantly talking cheeseburgers. We had a cheeseburger and went to bed after the AFC Championship game. After winning the Super Bowl, I'm gonna have one of the biggest burgers, like maybe a double, like whatever. <laughs> How is cheese. no one jumping on this? Yeah, like McDonald's, let's go. Like this is your guy. Yeah. It, what are you doing? You got marketing teams. This is 
this is your bread and butter right here. Go get them. I don't know. That was yeah. I don't. What are you doing? I was I was confused and frustrated. McDonald's maybe Red Robin. Oh yeah, that'd be Come good on, one. man. Jump on <laughs> it. Oh, so Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. Um, I cannot be more thrilled for them and the the state of Kansas. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, I got I, I got bad information here. Breaking news: uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, do not play in the state of Kansas. Gasp! I didn't. Who knew? I mean, obviously, President Donald Trump didn't know that Kansas City is in Missouri. Um, but he deleted his tweet and corrected himself like a gentleman. But oh, well, at least he deleted it. He, he did delete it, but. The screen, as soon as you put something out there, come on, man, it's 2020. People mm-hmm. are screenshotting that three seconds after it hits. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should get impeached just for that. <laughs> you don't even know what Kansas City is, you fool. Uh, well, speaking of Donald Trump, uh, Andy Reid cannot wait <laughs> to get into the White House. Oh, that's going to be a fun time. Oh, God. I, I really hope he doesn't fold and, like, gives them, like, this really nice meal. Just right. stick to the basics, just like the college team. Bring in the fast food, baby. Let's go. Andy <laughs> Reid is waiting. He's going to take, like, 20 Big Macs and just stack it. <laughs> oh. I'm turning I'm turning pages in my notes. That's kind of yeah. like my staple for this show. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of what I do is I, I flip pages. And everyone can hear it. <laughs> uh, I think we covered everything, though. What do you what you got something? Oh, I was just going to say, so I was thinking about this earlier today. And so you know how like, Andy Reid will like, constantly get into the NFC Championships with the Eagles and just couldn't get the job done. Like he just got so close. He got to the Super Bowl with the Patriots and just, and just fell short. What if Kyle Shanahan is the new Andy Reid. Oh, no. Like, what if Kyle Shanahan has his curse that he now has to wait 20 years to get it done? Like, he's been in two Super Bowls and has blown leads and has had the talent and not been able to do it. If he gets to a Super Bowl, if if I'm Kyle Shanahan at this point, when I reach the Super Bowl... I'm handing off play calling to somebody else. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you can call it all regular season. You can do anything you want up until the Super Bowl. Even the first half of the Super Bowl. You can call yeah. plays in the first half of the Super Bowl. Go for it. As soon as you come out of halftime, hand that clipboard off to someone else. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently you cannot handle the pressure. And they're, bo- and they're both offensive-minded coaches. So they're just, they're so similar. And it's like, what if that? What if that's? What if this is gonna happen? Yeah, one's in better shape, but well, uh, other than other than that, yeah, Kyle Shanahan, the next, the next Andy Reid of really, really smart coach, but can't get it done in big games. Mm-hmm. You heard that hot take here first on, oh, on yeah. and off the field. But I think we got everything we need to there yeah. for the Super Bowl. That's a pretty good recap. Yeah. Any any commercials that really stuck out to you? 
Uh, let's see. My favorite was probably the Groundhog Day Jeep one. Oh, that was a good one. That was my, that was my favorite. Uh, there's one uh, commercial that's getting no love that me and Caitlin really liked. It was the Snickers commercial. Oh, that was a good one. Like, that no one's good... talking about the Snickers commercial. <laughs> I listened to a bunch of shows today. They're like, oh, this was a good one. The Cool mm-hmm. Ranch Doritos was a good one. What about the Snickers one? That was a great commercial. <laughs> we're, just gonna, we're just going to feed the world of Snickers <laughs> because this place is jacked up. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. a good commercial, but all right. We're going to come back after this next break. And we're going to jump into a little bit of off the a little bit off the field, you know, NFL news. We're going to touch on the off season just a little bit, but we are diving into, oh yeah, the XFL. Oh. Let's do it. And welcome back on and off the field with Dylan and Fred. Just did our Super Bowl recap. So we are pretty much officially out of the 2019-2020 season. We've done the Super Bowl recap. Everything's over. We're moving on to the offseason and other fun things now. It's it's over and done with. But what happened on February... Is the NFL Honors on February 1st? Yep. Yeah, February 1st. Calais Campbell was announced the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And if you listen to the On and Off the Field episode AFC nominees for Walter Payton Man of the Year episode, which you can go to Spotify and iTunes and all those fun places to listen to that episode, you can go and uh, hear what he did. But I'll give you a little recap. You can learn about his foundation, the CRC Foundation, at the crcfoundation.org. The CRC Foundation, which is named after his late father, Charles, who passed away in 2003, is committed to the enhancement of the community through the teaching of critical life skills to young people through sports, creative talents, vocational skills, financial skills, and quality health and nutrition. The CRC Foundation is dedicated to developing young people into empowered and self-aware leaders for the future. That's really fun and a really good foundation, but what is really cool is Campbell's Season of Giving, which is a fundraising campaign based on Clayus's on-the-field performance, pledges a specific dollar amount for several metrics. So, if the Jaguars won a game, it was $1,000. If Calais got a sack, it was $5,000. Half a sack, $2,500. Tackle for a loss, $2,000. A blocked kick or a turnover, $10,000. So, all of that money in a quarter of the season, so four games... They would donate it to one charity for that for that month, basically. So the September performances went to the Clara White Mission. And, oh, oop, oops, mistakes. Feeding Northeast Florida was September. The Clara White Mission was October. The Wounded Warrior Project is November, and the United Way was December. So great stuff he did. I don't know what the totals were for this season that he gave away. But I know it wasn't a lot of wins. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he plays for the Jaguars, for those who don't know. But great guy, great foundation, great fundraising initiative, really fun one that I have not seen anyone else do anything like that. So I think that's a, a pretty nifty way to, to raise money. 
Um, but speaking of the Jaguars, Fred, yes. there was speaking Jaguars of- news today, which happens almost never. What happened? <laughs> so today the NFL announced that the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing two home games in London this, this upcoming year. Um, so all for all you Jacksonville fans, now you have six home games to go to in Jacksonville instead of the usual seven. Um, so, I mean, realistically, this is probably just leading them to them moving out of Jacksonville and going to be a permanent London team. But, yeah, so I think that's the big news for this uh, today's NFL headlines, besides the all the off-season talks of Tom Brady and his QB carousel. But, um, so, yeah. So I don't think Gardner Minshew is a London guy. No, he's a very – so I think he well, – they probably got to trade him then if they're, they're going to go to London. <laughs> he doesn't want to go to London. I know that much. I feel like he wouldn't want to go to London. No. He doesn't want to be there. So I, hopefully the jockstrap king will be freed of Jacksonville's clutches eventually, and he'll go and win six Super Bowls with another team. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be – that would be for the best. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, um, this is probably years ago now, uh, when the NFL.com did like the the NFL video shorts? NFL? Yeah, it was like all these what-if scenarios, like what would happen. I don't remember these. It was uh, Dave Damashek did it, I think, for the most part. And so the one scenario, was, I can't remember what the start of the scenario was, but midway through the scenario... The Jacksonville Jaguars actually moved to London and become the London Jaguars. Whoa! <laughs> As part of an expansion. Oh, it was an expansion though. Yeah. So this would just be them moving though. It wouldn't be really be an expansion. Well, if they moved to London, then you'd have to. You you would expand. You could you could end up expanding into Europe, and still being the NFL. Like you'd have, because most leagues in the U.S. play with Canada. And the U.S. were maybe we're going to be different with NFL and do the U.S. in Europe <laughs> or England. So they have to change the name then from NFL to like GFL, like the National Football League, and change it to the Global Football League. Because they're also talking China too. So I mean, this is oh yeah, talk about extending your reach maybe a bit too far, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. I was just going to say, why don't they just make more leagues in Canada, like you said, but they already mm-hmm. got the CFL up there, so right. they probably don't want to impede on that territory. Yeah. But while we got done talking about a rookie, well, now in his second year, Gardner Minshew, there's another guy who is, is he 42 now or 41? I believe 42. Oof. 42 years old. And a little while ago, he posted a very, very cryptic Instagram post. Him either walking in or out of a tunnel of a football field in this ominous black and white background. And he he let everyone know it is going to be part of a commercial in the Super Bowl. So he, he teased everybody. The commercial came on somewhere early in the game. And... <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to say this for all my friends and family. 
Hulu no now has sports. Like, oh, <laughs> like you oh, knew, yeah. it, you knew it was coming. Like he wasn't just gonna <laughs> say he was gonna retire in a commercial. Like, no. we knew it was gonna happen. But he ends the commercial by saying, "I'm not going anywhere." So, which begs the question: Is he not leaving the Patriots, or is he just not gonna retire? What is your landing spot for Tom Brady? Um, I, I don't think it's going to be New England. And I think if it is New England, I think you're really going to, I would say, you're really going to piss off Bill Belichick, I think, that way. Because this was, the whole, the whole start of this was when they traded Jimmy G. Belichick wanted Jimmy G. He was going to be a successor to Tom Brady. But Kraft said no. Kraft said we're trading Jimmy G to get picks. And Tom Brady's our future, and we're just going to keep going. So, I mean, landing spot, I don't think it's New England. I think if it is, I think it's going to be his last year for sure. I don't think there's enough supporting cast there to keep him going, even to keep him upright in, on that offense. I mean, they have the draft, but still. So I think landing spot-wise, I think it could make sense uh, would be the L.A. Chargers, um, they're opening a new stadium. I know that's the same talk with the Las Vegas Raiders with their new stadium, but I really think L.A. is probably a better choice for him with that defense that's out there now. Um, I think they could be in a win-now situation. Phillip Rivers probably isn't going to be there anymore. Oh, they've already, well, they've already agreed to part ways. Um, so I think I think my choice would be L.A. That's a, that's a strong contender. That if if he didn't come back to the Patriots, the Chargers would be my pick. I don't see him going to the to, to Vegas unless Vegas just unless Tom's chasing money. I think Vegas could trade away Derek Carr and bring in Tom Brady and pay him thirty thirty five mil. I mean mm-hmm. they it, they could if they wanted to, but in my opinion, it benefits nobody. For Tom Brady to leave New England. The Patriots are not going to win with whoever their backup is. And they're not going to be able to draft a quarterback from their draft spot. Mm-hmm. That's going to be able to take over Tom Brady's spot. They don't have a good enough team to win now without him. And Tom Brady going back to New England or leaving New England. He's just going to walk into a brand new team and win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think so. No. The best bet is them to just everyone just swallow their pride and come back to new England, try and build a little bit better of a team and just go for it again. I, I don't see Tom Brady leaving just for a year. Cause I don't think he's like, I don't think he's going to play two more years. He's an old man. You saw his decrease in production this year. I don't see him leaving new England. I really don't unless he just wants the money. Then yes, I can see him leaving. Yeah, and I think there was a uh, was it an interview or I heard it the last couple of days um, that Joe Montana like was giving Tom Brady advice like it's after being with the team for so long with Joe Montana and the 49ers and going to Kansas City um, like it was a definitely a real big change for him and it's if Tom Brady's gonna test those waters it's I don't know it's gonna be Definitely be interesting off season. 
it's it's going to be a amazing off season, and we could talk we could talk about that for the rest <laughs> of the time here. We could talk about Drew Brees. We could talk about Ryan Tannehill. We could talk about Derrick Henry. We can talk about anybody we wanted, but we got an entire off season to talk about oh, yeah. this stuff. We don't have another week to wait to introduce the one, the only XFL with Vince McMahon leading the. Is that right, Vince yep. McMahon? Yeah, Vince leading McMahon. the way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I that was a that was a total shot in the dark there. I'm glad I nailed it. But then I doubt, then I questioned myself and I look like an idiot. I shouldn't have questioned myself. <laughs> That's all right. So the XFL is back from their back from the grave of their one season league back in oh one, I think it was. And they're ready to rock and roll with eight teams, ten game schedule. What who's your team, Fred? Right now, lay it down for everyone to hear. Who's your team? Oh, you know, I was looking at the list earlier today, and I think I just, I'm going to have to go with the New York Guardians. Just a regional thing? No, and I wasn't trying to do it regionally, because, like, I was just looking at how the teams, like, from the notes that we had here, and the one that stood out to me was Matt McGloin, who was a former Penn State quarterback. He was quarterback when I was there in college. So, to me, it was, like, a sentimental, like, Penn State thing. Um, But also just the fact that it seems like they have a decent talent team. Um, It was either that or I think I was looking at, I want to say D.C., the Defenders. Ooh, D.C. Defenders. That's a good choice. mm -hmm. I feel like that one would... Be another quarterback situation. You have Cardell Jones and Tyree Tyree Jackson, who were both former Bills, one who played in Buffalo, um, and then was undrafted free agent with the Bills. And they both had the they both had highs. They both had some highlights um, with the Bills, but then the Bills moved on from them. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm gonna go with the uh, New York Guardians. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to jump the gun a little bit with the D.C. defenders, like you are saying, Tyree Jackson and Cardell Jones. Tyree was a beast his senior year at Buffalo. Cardell Jones bounced around the league, but, you know, he was a first-round He was a first round pick, wasn't he? In the NFL draft, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. Cardell? Yeah, Cardell Jones. Uh, fourth oh, round. Fourth round, so not even yeah. close. Still a good talent, though. <laughs> right. He was a good guy. People had a lot of, a lot of belief in him, but... If you look at their one of their leading wide receivers, Malachi Dupree, he was mm-hmm. drafted in the seventh round from the Green Bay Packers, bounced around a little bit, but has NFL experience. And then they also have Eli Rogers. He was with the Steelers for a little while, got good playing time there. And then mm-hmm. they got first round draft pick Matt Elam at safety. I mean, they it's a, it's a team with a couple of stars on it that I, mm-hmm. I think they are a, a well-rounded out team. But my team... You already know what it is. You you know. Uh, oh, Every, yeah. Everybody knows. Let's go, Dragons. The Seattle Dragons, led by Seattle's first quarterback for their first eight years in the league, Jim Zorn at head coach. Their quarterback, B.J. Daniels, former Seahawk. They have wide receiver Keenan Reynolds, 
former Seahawk. They have Cason Williams, another wide receiver, former Seahawk. And guess what? They got Will Sutton as a defensive tackle. Guess who he used to play for? <laughs> he didn't play for the Seahawks, so no. I just... <laughs> there is a couple of former Seahawks on there, which is like super cool, like Seattle Dragons mm. and Seattle Seahawks. I just thought that was really cool. But we can get into some other teams in a moment. Let's let everybody know what the new XFL rules are. Fred, you want to lead us off? Just go with whatever rules you want. What's your favorite new rule? So I think the one that I really want to see is this whole double forward pass. And that if the – so the rule here is that the first pass is behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you can still throw another forward pass. Um, I'm just curious as to how it, this is going to reduce, like, the chance of fumbles um, or an incomplete pass. How about you? Yeah, at first it sounded like a really good idea. Like, it just sounds exciting on paper. Like, oh, a mm-hmm. double forward pass. Like, you can do all these cool trick plays with a double forward pass, but not really. I mean, it's put in there, like you said, to avoid fumbles and just to create incomplete passes and, you know, just less risk factor so you don't have to lateral it as much. And right. then you don't have to worry about if you throw it all the way across the field. Well, was it a quarter yard <laughs> forward? And then you got 10 minutes of replay to, like, see if it was a maybe a forward pass. Right. I, I feel like that was the XFL's main commitment was to make sure there's just more action you know common Mm -hmm. they have the five five common sense rules to avoid replay time they Mm -hmm. have an eye in the sky referee who can overrule egregious calls and he's up there you know there's no, no coaches challenges it's all coming from the refs and that guy in the sky there it's just it creates an environment of fast paced play and you don't have, like the NFL right now, as soon as you think there's a catch on the sideline, oh, now you got to look at his feet for 10 minutes to make sure he was in. Oh, where was the ball? Like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So the five common sense rules, just really quick, that I, I'm guessing they based most of the rules off of. One foot inbounds for a catch, secure the ball, and touch the ground with any any body part, and just maintain, maintain control of the ball. So it's like kind of like college, one foot down or like an elbow. You mm-hmm. don't need to have your toes touch the ground. So they also have a ball-spotting official where his job is to get a new ball for that play and spot it. In the NFL, you always, you constantly see like the ball gets thrown to one ref, and then he's throwing it to another ref, and then he's got to throw it to another ref, and then he spots the ball, and then they got to move the ball. It's a mess, and it normally takes like 12 to 15 seconds just to spot the ball. So the ball spotting official, his one job is to get that ball, the new ball, and to spot it all by itself while everyone else is getting set, and it's supposed to speed up the game more. They also are allowing coach to offensive skill player communication throughout the game. I don't think they're cutting it off at 15 seconds. They're able to talk to wide receivers, running backs, and the quarterback, so it it gets plays in faster. And then you get simplified illegal man downfield, so... The evolution of NFL football is the run-pass option, you know, the RPO plays. And you constantly get, if it's if it's a run-pass option, he drops back to pass and can't get rid of the ball right away, you constantly get illegal men downfield in the NFL. Now they have a three-yard buffer. It's less penalties. You don't have to worry about slowing down the game. And then, of course, they have the shorter halftime where it's only 10 minutes. That's That's generally the big five common sense rules they came out with and there is a ton 
ton of other things going on. Like, uh, do you know what the extra points are, Fred? Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting um, with the way the extra points are going to be set up is that you either get a one, two, or a three-point play, and then it's either at the – so uh, one-point play from the two, which would be how a two-point conversion is now in the NFL, um, two points from the five – if they were successful, and then three points from the 10. I think that's – you're going to have a lot of, I think, weird scoring um, in the XFL. I think that's probably what they want because you want something different than the NFL and just to try to make it more exciting. And so I feel like we're going to have, like, these extremely weird points, like, with game results. Yeah, there were, there's no mistake that this is a separate league from the NFL. That is for sure. There is a plethora – of rules that are very different. And I can't wait for the very first overtime game personally. The So when you go into overtime, both teams are going to get the ball and they're going to alternate five-round single-possession shootouts, kind of like hockey maybe, pretty much in the same general area. But they're going to start at the five-yard line and they have to score. Single-possession, if you get it in the end zone, you get two points tacked on to your overall score. After those five rounds, whoever has the most points wins. And if they're still tied after that, then it goes to, you know, single rounds. Like if you score this time and the other team doesn't, now it's over. Or, you know, kind of like that. You just keep going until one wins. I think that's a lot more exciting. It's it's a, it's more similar to college, but they still get four downs. I think it's a lot better than the current NFL overtime for sure. Yeah, and I think that's it's a nice like hybrid between the college and the like a college and like a hockey shootout because like you said with college like you're able to get four downs like you're able to get that you're able to move a lot farther down the field like you have that better setup of plays like with this you're at the five yard line and that's it like so your plays are much more condensed on the field um, so I think this is going to give defenses a better chance to not get burned. Um, by, on the corners, but I didn't, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot. It's kind of like a almost like playing a game of horse in overtime. Yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty much. That's that's a good comparison. You know, you miss you miss the shot, and well, now you're down a point. <laughs> uh, I I guess one other rule that is. This is just going to be weird to see. I can barely picture it in my head. This is just, it's bizarre as the kickoffs. Um, oh, yeah. The kicker is going to kick from his own 30, which is, you know, which is normal. It used to be normal in the NFL. Now it's up to the 35. But in the XFL, they're going to kick from their own 30, and you have to pin it between the goal line and the 20-yard line. Basically, you say you have to because if the ball falls short of the 20-yard line, the ball's going to get placed at the 45-yard line, like the receiving team's 45-yard line. That's a massively shorter field. If the ball mm-hmm. go hits the end zone, like doesn't bounce in the end zone, but it hits in the end zone, it's coming out to the 35. If the ball bounces inbound and then into the end zone, it comes out to the 15. So that's kind of what you want to happen, and it's because that's that's only the 15-yard line. That's a pretty uh, pretty long field, but the really, really crazy part is the kicking team 
is going to be lining up on the opponents, like on the return team's 35-yard line. And then the receiving team, they're going to be lining up on their own 30. So there's there's five yards of difference between the people trying to tackle the returner and the people blocking. So the guy they can't move. The, the people trying to tackle, the kicking team, cannot move until the returner catches the ball or the ball has been bouncing on the ground for three seconds, which the ref will like do a hand motion to announce when they can run if that happens. So as soon as he catches that ball, they're taken off from the five yard uh, from five yards out from the blockers to try and go get this guy. I think that's going to look super weird, but I think it's going to be really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I think it'd be interesting to see how head coaches strategize with their kickers during kickoff because you, you know they're obviously going to be aiming for that let's hit it at the five and let it roll into the end zone so you're not telling the kicker to just go ahead and boot it as far as you can you're just so now you're basically playing now you need a good kicker who's maybe not good at field goals but can hit a certain distance because if they hit the hit it, say they hit in the five goes the end zone now they're at the 15 if for some weird reason a kicker doesn't get it past the 20-yard line, it comes up to the 45. I'd be curious if that ever happens. Yeah, if, like I don't understand what the scenario would be where the kicker can't kick it past the 20-yard line on the other side. I, I don't know when that scenario is going to play out, but the rule's in there. So if it ever does happen, that's what's going to happen. And basically, you know, between punts, there's more rules for punts. And then Mm -hmm. also with kickoffs, the initiative is to encourage more returns. No, like no, like they don't want fair catches. They don't want kicks going out of bounds. They want returns because they want excitement. But Mm -hmm. they also are trying to keep it safer because now you don't have 40 yards of field to sprint down before you tackle the person. You know, it's kind of like the same with punts. The kicking team can't release from the line of scrimmage until the ball is kicked. So they're not running downfield as soon as the ball is snapped. And next thing you know, the punt returner doesn't see somebody and he catches the ball, doesn't call a fair catch. And he's like, he's plowed into the ground, like by some guy that's running a hundred miles an hour at him. Oh, the return is given more space, creating less fair catches. Also, if the ball is punted out of bounds or into the end zone, it comes out to the 35. So, again, they just want returns. They want action. Yeah, and I, I, I think they're going to get it, though, too, because I feel like they're going to kick off. They're, the kickoff teams, say runners, and then the receiving team's blockers are only five yards apart. As soon as there's a gap and that returner hits it, they're gone. Like, there's no catching them. Like, they're going to have wide open spaces just to run to the end zone besides that kicker. And how many kickers have we seen tackle a returner? I mean, not a ton. I mean, there's I've seen some good highlights of kickers just trucking returners, but... It doesn't um, happen often. That's but not sure. often. You get fatties like Sebastian Janikowski who, like, <laughs> try to tackle somebody and end up hurting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's that's your general XFL breakdown. 
just so everybody knows. The first game, I believe, is the 8th, and it's going to be the Seattle Dragons at the D.C. Defenders for our inaugural, inaugural, oh boy, first game of the XFL League. There's the East Division, which has the D.C. Defenders, has New York, St. Louis Battlehawks, and the Tampa Bay Vipers. And then the West Division has the Dallas Renegades, the Houston Roughnecks, the LA, oh, LA Wildcats, and the Seattle Dragons. It's I can't wait. I think it's going to be awesome. I hope it succeeds. I pray it succeeds. Um, so I, I can't wait for the league. Any final any final words on the XFL, Fred? Um, I think I'm just. I'm excited to see. I want to see it succeed. Uh, I mean, I feel like we were excited for the AAF last year, and that kind of flopped just with it seemed like a lack of support. And I feel like this is hopefully it's not a one season repeat like it was last year or the last time this um, was playing. But uh, I'm just looking here at the schedule, and it actually looks like they actually have quite a few uh, national coverage here for like tv stations like we have abc fox and espn are covering xfl so i think that's gonna definitely help um get the the audience they want versus with aaf last year was i think solely nfl network for the most part or like cbs sports uh network which isn't not everyone has but i think like this is a they're definitely gonna get a much broader audience i think with this time feel like there is definitely definitely a lot more support for the xfl than there was for the aaf hopefully they'll be able to you know pay the players that's a pretty mm-hmm. important part <laughs> yeah but fred thank you for coming on and thank you for being a co-host it's official this is fred's first official co-host we're going to be ordering a bunch of equipment so we won't have to do this over skype he's going to be live <laughs> in person it's going to be awesome and amazing hopefully amazon doesn't let me down when i order my stuff but super exciting co-host xfl super bowl nfl football words super super exciting Go follow on and off the field on Facebook and Instagram. We got the giveaway coming up. We need to get the 500 to do it. We're about 480 right now. You can listen on all the podcasting platforms out there, and you can also catch it on Thursdays from 4 to 5 on the RTF Sports Network on Spreaker. Fred, thanks again, and thank you to the listeners. And, Fred, what do we say when we sign off? All hail the Jockstrap King.